Good evening. It is Friday, December 1st. It's the first Friday of the month, and of course that can mean only one thing. It's time for that show about film and television trivia. Matinee Minutia. And uh, in a few moments, we will get the ushers down the aisles and help everyone to their <laughs> seats. But for now, um, please to enjoy some of the new refreshments that Gertie has brought in. Because she had her little sale there and um, she had to go to the store. <laughs> yeah, I did. And also, um, I've been spending time here with Matt's friend, um, Emmy Lou, and... And anyway, she's a she's something else. I gotta tell you. <laughs> oh my! Anyways, you'll meet her later. <laughs> I'm surprised the two of you are allowed to be in the same space after the stories I've heard. But hey, maybe we'll hear more later. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to the beautiful historical Marionette Theater. It's Friday evening, and we are taking a trip down memory lane. This is going to be a discussion a show from my youth it's a sitcom and there's a little bit of role reversal in it and uh you know someone's bringing home the the bread and uh someone's uh keeping the place tidy please take your seats the show is about to begin Ooh, mo toppy it is december now just yeah, how'd our- that happen I know we just had our day of giving thanks and you know today's also a special day for another reason. Do you know what happens on December 1st every year? Um Santa we, comes. Oh. oh. <laughs> uh well I was going to say uh, Matthew Bernling game visits us but I don't know what. Well we did uh, you know um uh pack it in here we had to make room in the balcony for another seat because we do have a guest with us tonight stop but... shaming my size ah! <laughs> <laughs> no shame in that game um well so uh due in part to uh the discussion tonight this 80s sitcom uh today is world aids day and child actor danny pintaro who played the the young son of the one of the leading characters in this show, who's the boss. Uh, he uh, revealed in a 2015 interview with Oprah Winfrey, yeah, Winfrey, Winfrey, that he had been diagnosed with HIV and had been living with the reality for over a decade. So uh, today's World AIDS Day, and we're talking about, in part, the career of Danny Pintaro. And also today, uh, sadly, we lost a legend today, but she did live to a ripe age. Sandra Day O'Connor, the first woman to be uh, brought up to the Supreme Court for service. Oh. She passed away at 93 today. Oh. Wow. So, Toppy, I see that we have a guest here in the balcony. We have uh, two guests. Oh, yeah, he brought along a special friend. Please, everyone, welcome uh, uh, podcaster, playwright, and author, Mr. Matt Burlingame. Hello, everybody. It is so good to be here with all of you, and especially on World AIDS Day. um, We uh, pledge ourselves once again 
It's the 35th year, and we are pledging ourselves once again to commit to ending the epidemic. We are no longer at a point of managing. It is time to end it, to eradicate HIV from our planet. In a good way, not not like, you know, not in a bad way, not eradicate like that, but, you know. Uh, right. Yeah. Find and, a cure and end it. Matt, as long as we've got you. Yeah. Um, give us a give us the lowdown on on prep, just briefly. Okay, so prep is a medication that is proven to be ninety nine percent effective in preventing HIV. In fact, it's like ninety nine point nine 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 four. What it is is uh, it's basically an HIV medication. You take it ahead of time. Um, and uh, it will prevent you from getting HIV if you are uh, having any sort of risky sex um, or exposure that you may not, uh, you know. If you're HIV negative, you're on prep, you're good. So, um, uh, yeah. I, I don't know if you've heard. Well, um, uh, recently, I think it's Atlanta. I'm, I, I can't remember. But there's been just a surge in women getting HIV. And they were talking about pushing PrEP in uh, for women, which never even occurred to me. But of course, duh, Mm -hmm. why not? PrEP is for everyone. Uh, Some of the highest uh, rates of HIV that we see right now are disproportionately affecting the uh, Black, Latino, um the people of color communities and uh women and believe it or not older people because they they are mm-hmm, we're we're going don't think that once you hit like 50 or 60 you're like hanging it up Mm-mm. <laughs> taking that out of the box and you're using it but yes uh it is effective for everyone across the board all right we're being way too serious <laughs> I, I want everyone friends. to meet my friend. Hello, friends. How y'all doing? Sammy Lou, a friend of Matt's. He brought her along. Anyways, we've been getting along famously behind the we concession stand. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I'm <laughs> sorry, but I can't call you a friend. I know what you did. I saw you with them gentlemen callers. Oh, boy. That's, that's not appropriate. <laughs> well, uh, anyways. Uh, I almost didn't come on this show because y'all so dirty. You know, I saw your chat room before. And Emmy Lou is Matt's designated driver tonight. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I like to drive, but I'll do it. <laughs> well, well so, we, we, yeah, we'd give we'd given uh, a Gertie um, over to Gertie's lines over to Emmy Lou uh, just because we love her voice. So, whenever you're ready for that, DJ. Oh, yes. Uh, Gertie is actually down at the snack bar um, stirring up some strong drinks. Because, you know, you don't get a designated driver for nothing. Alcohol is a sin. (laughs) That's why we love you, Emmy Lou. All right. If you could get downstairs for us. There's this thing that Gertie does, and she tells people about what we're talking about. And, you know, do a little twirl for us, too, okay? All right, I'll try not to push her down the stairs as we go. Anyways, <laughs> here we go. 
Well, hello, friends. Tonight, we're talking about a professional athlete and widow named Tony, who, together with his young daughter, who he wants to have a better life, packing in for a new chapter outside the big city. Well, he's promised a job based on his reputation, but when the door opens, well, they weren't, he wasn't quite what they were expecting. So, well, well, Tony went over his new boss. Well, young Samantha, his daughter, get along with the boss's kid, Jonathan. Will the boss's mom keep her nasty, dirty hands off of Tony. Well, grab a baseball bat. And can a pledge, it's time for a little role reversal in that 1980s hit comedy, Who's the Boss? With Tony Danza and Judith Light. Oh my goodness, just sit right back and enjoy, friends. Ooh, here comes the band. What do you get when you take a dash to the silver screen? A pinch of golden oldies. And a smidgen of screaming. It's time for Matinee Minutia with your hosts, DJ and Toppy. Well, a hot time in the old town tonight. We've got a third person in the balcony, and we've rolled out the old tube TV to watch some reruns. Yes, indeedy. And uh, uh, we, we have... Um, Matt here, who, but this this may been one of your favorite shows back in the day. Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, it it really played with role reversal, which was just something that I really, I really loved. And the theme song, of course. I mean, you know, you just cry every time thinking about, you know, get <laughs> me right now, man. Oh. But um. Yeah. All right. Back Excellent. when we didn't have cable, this was a favorite show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, before we start, we always like to uh, set the stage. This uh, show came out in 1984. Mm. And uh, DJ, tell us what was happening in 1984. Well, I'm going to turn it over to our guest. Matt, would you like to take a crack at what was going on in 1984? Well, yeah, so it was a book written by George Orwell, and it basically, oh wait, no, 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 sorry. I thought it was a Eurythmics song. Yeah, ooh, the, oh, the soundtrack to 1984 by the Eurythmics was amazing, but we're talking history, of course. Uh, let's see, AT&T was found to be a monopoly, and its divisions were separated, rightly. Uh, Michael Jackson wins eight Grammys. Jakers. I that know. What do you do with that many old women? <laughs> so, uh, the USSR boycotts the Summer Olympics in LA. Mm-hmm. Oh well. Uh, Vanessa Williams becomes the first Miss America to resign after they found scandaloso photos of her naked with other women in penthouse. Mm. Just a shame. But you know what? She's got a great career, so it's all good. Um, Catherine D. Sullivan is the first American woman to complete a spacewalk. So cool. And then that um, Reagan guy, you know, he wins a re-election. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, you know, Nancy was able to recycle the dress. Mm. Well, Nancy did. Uh, don't get me started on her. She should have done some drugs. Hmm? <laughs> oh well. Um, let's say hello to some of the folks that were born that year. We got Kate McKinnon. Uh, she's on uh, Saturday Night Live. She's famous for her Hillary Clinton impressions. Uh, Mandy Moore, a musician with seven studio albums. America Ferrara. Did I say that right? Ferrara? Ferrara. Ferrara? Ferrara. Ferrara. Uh, she's uh, an ugly Betty and superstore. Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Facebook. What, what do they, they don't call it Facebook anymore. What do they call it? Uh, they, they, they. Meta. Meta. Yeah. Meta CEO. Yeah. And founder, uh, we got uh, your Katy Perry, um, music artist with six studio albums, and Scarlett Johansson. You know her from Lost in Translation with Bill Murray, The Island with the Ewan McGregor, Hansi, and uh, and The Black Widow uh, on uh, on the Marvel uh, movies. <laughs> Okay, so who was the boss? Was a sitcom in the eighties, and uh, just to get your uh, mind on what else could have been on the tube, because you know there were no DVRs, and unless you knew what the time and station to set your VCR, you were going to miss your show. But uh, the uh, the major networks there, NBC, the Peacock, they had the A Team. In the 80s there, also on NBC, was The Cosby Show and uh, other TV shows at that time who featured domestics. You know, the housekeeper, the maid, the cook, included programs like Give Me a Break with Carter. Different Strokes, which uh, started off with Charlotte Ray. And then we had one of my favorites, Mr. Belvedere and... um, well, I don't think any of them ever worked again after that one, but, you know, <laughs> reasons. And um, before the 80s, there were a bunch of other shows that uh, followed this, uh, or actually set the standard. There was Hazel, which I believe was in the 50s, and then there was Family Affair with Mr. French, and then The Ghost and Mrs. Muir, and then, of course, The Brady Bunch with Alice and then we had Maud, and, well, she had a few housekeepers. And then the Jeffersons, which, of course, starred um, the lady who got her own spinoff on 227. Do we remember that lady's name, Matt? Marla Gibbs, of course. Marla Gibbs! But, you know, you said it wrong. I, I don't mean to correct you. You are a host. I apologize. <laughs> but you said, and then there's Maud. And it's, and then there's Maud! you gotta gotta do it right girl you know it's funny when you were saying all that i'd like every theme song was going through my head right something we don't have anymore that's true yeah that's really true we don't it's not like not like then we don't all right well let's talk about the series creators uh, a couple of blokes, uh, Martin Cohan and Blake Hunter. And why don't we talk about Martin first? Uh, uh, but their show became um, our show tonight. Who's the boss? Became one of 
uh, the most popular sitcoms of the 80s. The series was nominated for more than 40 awards, including 10 Primetime Emmy Award nominations, five Golden Globe Award nominations. Uh, The show won one of each. And this is all in spite of the series um, opening with very lukewarm reviews. Uh, it was uh, Who's the Boss remained very popular in the ratings, ranking in among the top 10 in the final primetime ratings between 85 and 89, and has ever, ever since then been continued in syndication worldwide. So uh, Marty Cohan was an American television producer and screenwriter. He created the sitcom Who's the Boss? Cohen also created and is uh, is credited with creating Silver Spoons. That ran on NBC from 82 to 87, and it launched the career of Ricky Schroeder, or little Ricky Schroeder. Cohen began working as a stage manager. Can you believe that? That's amazing to me. He started working as a stage manager and assistant director at ABC, and this followed right after his graduation from Stanford University. Uh, he went on to work in film documentaries, and uh, and he worked uh, with um, director Mike Nichols on the 1970 film Catch-22. But his first love was TV, and uh, he started writing for sitcoms. And he wrote for shows like All in the Family and The Odd Couple. In 1971, Cohen achieved professional recognition as an assistant director on The Mary Tyler Moore Show. He was awarded the Best Comedy Episode Award for from the screenwriter of the the Writers Guild of America for his screenwriting on the show in 1972, and Cohen was also the recipient of an NAACP Award for furthering interracial understanding during the 1970s. After leaving Mary Tyler Moore, <clears throat> Cohen directed, produced, and wrote for the Bob Newhart Show. And was co-producer on the Ted Knight show. At the time of his death in 2010, Cohen's longtime business partner, Blake Hunter, was quoted in Variety as saying, Marty is the brother I wish I had, the talent I stood in awe of, and the friend I can never replace. So we know much less about Blake Hunter. At least I couldn't find hell a lot about him. Well, he did work with Marty Cohen on creating our show tonight. Uh, He was born in 1934. He's an American television producer and writer. And he's best known for Who's the Boss? Uh, He also uh, was the uh, creative consultant on a British version of Who's the Boss? Did you know this? I didn't. Mm -hmm. It's called The Upper Hand. It debuted in 1990 and aired for seven seasons on the ITV network in the United Kingdom. Have you seen any episodes of it? No. I actually have the entire series. No kidding. And the first season is almost word for word. (laughs) <laughs> the same script it's huh. just in british and they replace like titles of the names and stuff for reference but other than that it's like you're just watching the same show it's it's weird so um, fun so it's like you've, you've got secondary language on and when he comes to the egg up now what's all 
<laughs> no, no. Although, hmm, yeah, for some people, they can't understand the British. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, how, how, I mean, it's more often that we take British shows and make them, uh, uh, uh you know, American shows. Um, cheaper is, I mean, that doesn't happen very often. Do we know of any other shows that? Oh, that, yeah. Uh, the Golden Girls was another okay. one, another big one. There's a, a yeah. there's a bunch, but those oh, are right. some of the bigger ones. But yeah, who's the boss? About the same, especially first season. I mean, it's it's just like you walked into an alt universe. Interesting. Did you, do we have a trailer or anything like that? Um, well, I, I pasted a link into the chat room, and uh, through the the magic of podcasting, you'll be able to actually hear it in the released version. Okay. Um, but if if any of you want to see what or hear what I'm playing. Go ahead and click that link. So this is the opening scene of the pilot episode. It sets the tone for the interactions between the characters and their roles. And, well, I'm just going to give it a go now. Morning. That's about five minutes. May I help you? Well, if you're Angela Bauer, I'm here to help you. I beg your pardon. I'm Tony Maselli. I'm here about the job. Oh, I'm sorry. There must be a mistake. This job is for a housekeeper. That's me, Mr. Goodmop. <laughs> well, uh, my mother's screening everyone. Did you meet her? Yeah, yeah, yesterday, yeah. You know, she gave me the once-over, kicked me in the tires, put me up on a rack. Uh, well, she should have checked under your hood because you're the wrong sex. Oh, wait a minute. She said that wouldn't be any problem. My mother didn't think World War II was a problem. <laughs> oh, that must be Jonathan. Cute kid. Yes, he is. Well, you must be Jonathan. That's right. How'd you know? Uh, your grandmother told me. You're king of the reptiles, right? Excuse me. I'm in a terrible rush. I've got to get Jonathan to school and I've got to catch a train. Well, I could take him. No, no. Jonathan, didn't I tell you to take the snake out of the living room? Not today, you didn't. (laughs) Must you be so literal? Yes. Jonathan, I don't know what to Uh, do with you. Uh, hey, Jonathan, why don't you uh, hustle your little buddy upstairs? Well, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is it looks like a showdown between your snake and your mother. Remember... Snake doesn't pay your allowance. Good point. <laughs> well, sorry, Wilbur. Money talks and you don't. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, where were we? Oh, yes. You were at the door and I was about to close it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I, you know, I gave up my apartment. I drove all the way up here. Your mother said I had this job except for a small formality. What formality? You saying yes. <laughs> no. Can we talk? <laughs> do, you, do you have any references? No. Do you have any experience? None. How many jobs have you had as a housekeeper? One, if I get this. <laughs> ah, Mr. Maselli. Here you are. And right on time. What a reliable person. <laughs> so, how are things going with you two? In the direction of the door. The door? Uh, Angela, what is the problem? The problem is, Mother, you sent me a man for a housekeeper. Oh, don't be sexist. A man can do meaningless, unproductive work just as well as a woman. (laughs) Mother, Mother, the housekeeper's room is very close to mine. Oh, hey, don't worry about me. I keep a can of mace by my bed. (laughs) 
<laughs> He's got a sense of humor. <laughs> a regular Henny Youngman. <laughs> what a zany guy. Nevertheless, it doesn't look right or feel right for a man to be living here alone. But he's not alone. I... Didn't you tell her about Samantha? Well, You're married? Oh, no, no. Uh, Sam's my daughter. Uh, you're going to love her. She's out in the truck. I'll go get her. No! No, wait! Uh, isn't he perfect? No. He loves children, Angela. And children love him. I got that from the director of the Brooklyn Y. See, my instincts tell me this is the man for my grandson. And it doesn't hurt that he's a hunk. Mother, I'm not looking for a hunk for a housekeeper. Why not? He'll do floors. He'll lift furniture. Can I come over when he lifts? <laughs> Mother, I don't know anything about this man. Now, Angela, I checked him out thoroughly. And it's a story you won't believe. Oh, one of those. I got it from his parish priest. See, he's an ex-jock. And he played in the major leagues for a while until he got hurt and then they dumped him. The swine. <laughs> and it was just about that time that his young wife died. Mother, don't do this to me. They were childhood sweethearts, Angela. And since that time, well, he's been working at odd jobs. You know, a, a young widower. Trying to find himself and support his little girl. You did it to me. Even the child psychologist said that Jonathan has to have a male role model. And this Tony, is he male or is he male? I mean, we are talking mucho macho here. Well, here she is. This is Samantha. Oh, oh, she got that shiner stealing third in Little League. Now, Sam, I want you to meet some real nice people. This is Mona Robinson. Nice to meet you. And this is Angela Bauer. Oh, I'm very pleased to meet you, Miss Bauer. You have a lovely home and you're so pretty. Thank you. I'm very flattered. That's the idea. <laughs> hey, so for those of you who may not have listened, the crux of that was the whole uh, setup for the show was established by Angela's mother, Mona, who had basically promised the job to Tony, who was a retired athlete and a widow. And Mona was looking for a positive role model for her son since their fa his father stepped out of the picture. And uh, the best line, of course, was delivered by Alyssa Milano's character, young Samantha. She paid Angela a compliment by saying she had a lovely home and she was very pretty. And then, of course, she said, that's the idea when she was told <laughs> that was very nice and polite. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've uh, been treated to a lot of shots of Tony Danza in uh, the chat room by our listeners. Um, and uh, good Lord, uh, he's so young in that one picture where he's squatting. Mm -hmm. uh, and I mean, I just can't believe how young he looks. Um, DJ, tell us about Tony Danza. Oh, right. So Tony Danza who played the lead character of Tony Maselli. He was born in Brooklyn to Italian immigrant parents. His mother was a bookkeeper and his father was a garbage man. So, you know, like Tony Soprano. And at the age of 14, the family moved to Long Island, after which he attended college at Dubuque University in Iowa. Now, I know what you're thinking. New York to Iowa? What gives? Well, he had a wrestling scholarship. And, of course... 
when you have a chance to get out of Dodge? Well, you do it when there's a free ticket. There, he received his bachelor's in history, and in college, he became interested in boxing. After returning to New York, he was discovered by a producer while at a gym, and it was shortly thereafter after offered a role in Taxi. Now, uh, Danza has worked a lot in theater outside of television, and he had his own talk show for quite a while there. And uh, he continues acting on and off, has been in several TV shows with guest appearances and films. More recently, he was in uh, two guest appearances on formerly HBO Max, Max's, and just like that, that's the Sarah Jessica Parker show that's a continuation of Sex in the City. And to date, Tony Danza has 67 acting credits. That really amazed me. I didn't know that he basically had no um, time in acting, no, no experience. Because what I see in his performances is he's such a natural. I, he mm-hmm. doesn't really appear to be acting. Uh, I don't know what that's about, but he he really just seems to have natural talent. He must have been a very outgoing guy, at to, at least. But to, I I I he's so uh, good at it. Yes. Did you did you get a chance to see him on uh, and just like that? I did it not. So, no, no uh, so basically what they were doing. So what had happened was uh, <laughs> they uh, were doing the the um, the non-binary character got a television show mm-hmm. and went out to Hollywood. And on the, the sitcom that she was, or, I mean, nah, that they were filming, um, uh, Tony Danza played their father. And it, I, I basically reaffirmed him as a, a wonderful supporter of uh, of our community. I haven't heard a negative thing about him. You know, some stars gain a reputation for being bricks or whatever, mm-hmm. but I haven't heard a bad word ever said about Tony Danza. By all accounts, mm-hmm. he seems like the genuine just. Yeah. Nice guy. Yeah, in fact, um, Elton John wrote a song about him. So, I mean, that's that means a lot. Mm. Okay, wait a minute. I can't tell if you're pulling my leg or not. No, you know the song. Hold me close, a little Tony Danza. <laughs> okay, you're right. There you go. There you go. Ah, all right. Let's talk about Judith White. She played Angela Bauer. Oh, oh, oh! <clears throat> my my impression of Tony Danza. Angela, Angela, Angela. There we go. Every oh, sorry. <laughs> I I had to do. It. Uh, Judith White was born in 1949. She's an American actress. She made her professional stage debut in 1970, before making her Broadway debut in the 1975 revival of A Doll's House. Her breakthrough role was in the ABC daytime soap opera One Life to Live from 77 to 83, where she played the role of Karen Wallach. For this role, she won two consecutive Daytime Emmy Awards for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series. Light starred as Angela Bauer, 
from 84 to 92 on Who's the Boss? And Light played the reoccurring role of Elizabeth Donnelly in the NBC legal crime drama Law and Order Special Victims Unit 2002 to 2010. Jaybirds, Creepers. God, those shows have long legs. Mm. Those Law and Order shows. Um, moving on, Judith Light also played Claire Mead in the ABC comedy drama Ugly Betty from 2006 to 2010, for which she was nominated for a Primetime Emmy Award in 2007. From 2013 to 2014, she played the role of villainous Judith Brown Ryland in the TNT drama series Dallas. That was a recreation or updating of the old CBS Dallas program. Uh, In 2014, she began starring as Shelley Fafferman in the critically acclaimed Amazon Studios dark comedy series Transparent, uh, which got tons of great press. Um, I heard great things about Transparent, for which she received several Golden Globe Primetime Emmy and Critics Choice Award nominations. She's gotten uh, a a lot of uh, nominations for different kinds of awards. She again received Primetime Emmy and Critics Choice Award nominations for playing Marilyn Miglin in the assassination of Gianni Versace, American Crime Story. She did that in 2018. And in 2019, she was awarded a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Uh, Light received her first nomination for a Tony Award in 2011 for her performance in the original Broadway play Lombardi. In 2012 and 2013, she won two consecutive Tony Awards for Best Featured Actress in a Play for her performances in other desert oh sorry other desert cities not desert cities that would be silly and the assembled parties light is a prominent lbgq lbgtq plus and hiv aids activist and her advocacy work began way back in the early 1980s in the early days of the hiv aids epidemic so there you go my goodness what a career um very 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 talented lady yeah she really has been a heavy hitter for our community and i think really stands as one of the reigning divas uh and uh, allies for us she's just she went from being angela to being so huh. I absolutely adore her. Yeah, and the one thing that we, we didn't get to mention is that in 89, she was in a rather important film on the topic of World AIDS Day. She was the mother in the Ryan White story. Mm. Yes, yeah. So before we go ahead and continue on our discussion mm. of other cast members, we have to interlace, interject some back and forth here because we don't always have a guest and so let's throw one out there here so uh matt if you had to live in angela's house would you rather grow up being samantha who has the handsome dad or would you rather be jonathan whose mom would go to no lengths 
to, uh, you know, make him happy with her deep pockets. Oh, well, that's a difficult one because there are pluses and minuses to both. I mean, frankly, uh, you know, Jonathan would have better chance to, you know, since he grew up gay, to have a little fun with Tony. You know, <laughs> I'm just saying that, I don't know, Tony may be a pinch hitter, so, but uh, yeah, I'd rather I'd rather have the mom that gave me the money. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> yeah, but I'll tell you, that little kid and his obsession with reptiles, mm-mm, no. First episode, the first shot of the show is a snake. I went, oh, no, mm, done. Yeah, I don't know where they found him. Or where that kid came from uh, way back then. But I again talk about a natural in front of the camera. Yeah. Oh. Don't forget that I am, you know, am one of his top fans and he he talks to me. So, yeah. Really? Well. Special. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My goodness. (laughs) Well, Toppy, now let's turn the tables. Uh, Who would you rather have been considering the circumstances? Would you want to be the little girl who has the handsome dad or the the mom with deep pockets? I've always wanted to be the little girl. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sure, deep pockets. Uh, Yeah, I mean... Oh my goodness! I could have had all the comic books I wanted. <laughs> what about you, man? I mean, uh, DJ. Well, um, you know, I was quite the young, and I was probably Jonathan's age when "Who's the Boss" came out. So there were all sorts of jealousy issues going on there. The handsome dad, the mom with the deep pockets, and uh, this show appealed to me because um, while my parents were conservative in their backgrounds. We were sort of a non-traditional family because my mother was the breadwinner. So this really called out to me with the Angela character. But I will have you know that because of Mr. Tony Danza, I had perhaps an unhealthy attraction to my high school gym teacher. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) You know, one of the things that this show really did, and it didn't strike me until I I was sampling a bunch of episodes of it, is just how much it really did push and and touch on gender roles. And it was evident in uh, an episode, one of the holiday episodes, I think it was the Thanksgiving episode, Mm -hmm. where uh, Tony was uh, expect, you know, uh, in the front room and the women were serving him and all the women were like, no, we'll take care of everything. And, Oh, and, you know, oh, you're men. You don't have to lift a finger. You just sit there and, you know, open your pants and watch football and we'll do all the work. And then later on, they tried to fix him up with someone. I don't know, some woman. And and so she, uh, they go on a little date and then he goes into the kitchen to try to help her cook and she freaks out. She can't handle it. And she's like, no, you can't be in the kitchen. Don't touch anything. And he he realizes that he's changed. And a woman who serves him and has no purpose in life, apparently, but serving him and cooking for him and everything is not what he wants. He wants a woman who could challenge him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we are a little over the halfway mark in our show here. 
And I'm going to share with you, for your listening enjoyment, an interview with Judith Light with the American Television Archive. And she's speaking about um, her experience working with the cast of Who's the Boss. In this moment, she's talking about the now late, great Catherine Hellman. Have a listen, folks. So proud of him. So Tony had come from Taxi, and you guys had another TV vet on your cast, uh, Catherine Hellmond. Yeah. Talk about working with her. It was so great. She, I mean, I was in awe of her. First of all, I said, oh my God, we have Catherine Hellmond on the show. <laughs> and after we finished the pilot, she hand wrote notes of thanks to everyone. Oh, wow. I mean, she is the person who taught me about being gracious, about being kind, about... Uh, when there were shows when she didn't always have a lot to do, she was there, it didn't matter, 1,000%. I would watch her and she was committed. And then when she had lots of stuff to do, she was off the charts, she was extraordinary. But remember, this is a woman who started in repertory theater. She started at Trinity Rep and she had a background in the theater. She had a background in all of this great body of work. And then, of course, she had been on soap. And she was remarkable. And so she was another person that I kept learning from. And we would just sit there and have the, the most incredible conversations. And she taught me so much just about not misusing your talent. Also taught me a lot about comic timing as well. Um, and then, you know, they, they wrote a, a spinoff for her, which was pretty fantastic, and it ended up not getting picked up. And I watched how she dealt with the disappointment of that with such grace. And she was just, I, I had this one show that we did together uh, on Who's the Boss, it was one storyline about how Angela said, I'm going to be at home and I'm gonna do Tony's job, and Tony is gonna go out in the world. And it was one of our funniest shows. It was called Harried Housekeeper. And what I remember about that show is the support that Catherine gave to me. I mean, it was all about dealing with my mother. She was at home, the kids were at home, I was having to do breakfast. Things that Angela had no idea how to do. And it was Catherine who just was there in support of me. And there'd be sometimes where she would say something about the way I was doing something. She said, maybe if you just hit the spatula on this note. And Tony did that all the time, too. I mean, Tony had no, he was unabashed in his giving input. It was like, no, 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 this will make it funnier. And invariably, it would make it funnier. So another incredible learning experience. Oh, and... Uh... While the intermission was going there, I took a look in the annals of history. Not annals, annals. Get Emmy Lowe, get your man in check there. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we were talking about the Ryan White story, and um, I just looked at the cast on that. Did you know a young Sarah Jessica Parker was in the Ryan White story, too? No, I did not. Yeah. So, continue. Like, how young was she? Oh, goodness. Well, it was in 89, so... Okay. You know, she, Not, might, she wasn't a little kid or anything. No, she might have been in her early 30s at that point. 
But uh, anyway, so uh, continuing on the discussion as we were, uh, you know, hearing Judith Light talk about her co-star, Miss Catherine Hellman. Matt, if you would, please let us or tell us about the grand dame, the den mother of Who's the Boss? Well, you came to the right person. I know everything about her, or at least a couple of paragraphs. <laughs> <clears throat> Catherine, uh, basically, well, obviously she played Mona Robinson, who she was born in Galveston, Texas, which explains a lot. Uh, she took a job at local theater while she was in high school and hammering and sawing the scenery, not chewing it, just making it, cleaning bathrooms <laughs> and pulling the curtain. She operated actually a summer theater in the Catskills for three seasons. And she also taught acting at university theater programs. Uh, she made her TV debut in 1962. I wasn't even born yet. What was it like, Toppy? <laughs> anyway. oh, well, I was, was uh, anyways, I was just born that year. I was going to say, were you a gopher <laughs> for Catherine Hellman? <laughs> so she, uh, in, uh, she made her debut in 1962, but she had to wait another 10 years before she actually got her break in 1970s when she had a guest appearance on The Bionic Woman one of my absolute favorite shows growing up. And from 77 to 81, she had a recurring role on Soap, which was the first show to have a really good gay character on it, sort of. Uh, and then in 1984, she was cast as Mona, the mother of the housekeeper's boss on Who's the Boss? And just... Three years following the end of Who's the Boss, she would be cast in Coach with Craig T. Nelson, who's still doing stuff. And Jerry Van Dyke. Don't bring yep. that name to me. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> okay, so Hellman would appear in five more TV series um, and one film, which was Time Bandits in 81. Oh, I love that movie. Huge sci-fi. Just wonderful. Uh, she retired from public life in 2012, and sadly, she passed away at 89 in 2019. Ah, she was great in this shoe, and uh, part of our research team came up with uh, the fact that uh, Mona was originally intended to be Angela's older sister. Oh, that was really? what the character was supposed to be. But uh, the producers just couldn't find the right actress at the right time that they liked. And so they really liked uh, Catherine Hellman. And so they just said, you know what? She's going to be Angela's mother. That's how and, we're going to do it. And she's brilliant. And I love that this show. OK, so we already talked about how it, it uh, said it just took gender norms and threw them out the door. And uh, again, here's an older woman on television who should be all saintly and motherly and, uh, you know, basically retired from life. And she comes on as a as a bombshell. She's like, here are my breasts. Here is my perfect hair. I am going to go out and get every man I desire. And she should have uh, been uh, told about prep. Uh, which is 99% <laughs> and anyway. 
um, <laughs> she's she was absolutely brilliant. And again, here they're projecting either they're showing an older woman who isn't decrepit. She has sexuality. She has sensuality. She's she's amazing. So they really did a great job with her. You know, yeah. I think that if Who's the Boss had started in the mid-90s instead of the mid-80s, Mona might have been the type of character that handed out condoms to the kids. <laughs> Most likely. <laughs> there you go. Um, she also got some of the best lines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, I, one of the things the show definitely had were, were was good writers. And... Um, and and they really uh, this wasn't um okay there's some sitcoms that are just plain stupid okay <laughs> they're written stupid the characters are stupid this this show had some brains mm-hmm. uh, and the writers had some brains and the characters came off like like real people they they were three dimensional um, how do you guys feel about the kids? Because this show went on for eight years and we, you know, the kids grew up. How do you feel they did as the kids grew up? You know, uh, um, I think that they did a good job with them. Uh, obviously they were somewhat secondary characters. I mean, the, the, the romance between Tony and Angela was, the core of what the show is to be about, but they did get a chance to explore everyone. I did feel that they kind of wasted opportunities with uh, Danny Pintaro. His character was, you know, aging. I mean, he was 15, 16, at least character-wise, on the show when it, it stopped. And they basically just brought him in. He said a couple funny lines and he walked out. I mean, here's a whole potential to explore, you know, somebody that is that has is living in a household with gender re- role reversals and all this other stuff. And, and they just I think they didn't do much with him or at least yeah. enough. But Alyssa, Alyssa was so popular. Mm-hmm. She was so popular. And they they really uh worked that then they married her off to a, a dorky uh doctor who turned into a puppeteer <laughs> whatever but that those were two very sweet episodes if you get a chance to watch them they were probably part of my favorites um but it was wonderful because she was so popular she was able to transition into doing things like charmed you know um and uh yeah so they they paid more attention to her character to me they wasted danny yeah 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 um dg what um tell tell me more about i i thought it was interesting what you said about your dad um being kind of the reversal character in your family mm-hmm. oh yeah i mean uh, in my family by the time i was born uh, my mom was actually the main breadwinner in the family because my my father had worked a factory job where he was injured, and it was decided at one point that it was um, more you know reasonable on the on the household budget if they just kept one car on the road and the other parents stayed home because whatever money they could bring home 
wouldn't really pay for that second car or those expenses. So I grew up in a household where, you know, in the 80s, where we were trying to elevate women in roles like who's the boss. I'm getting home from school and dad is there to let me in because mom has gone to work at the night shift at the hospital. So hmm. um, it, once in a great while, if you got in trouble and you know, you uh, cross dad, you know that you've done something. If he said, you just wait until your mother gets home. <laughs> but, you know, I, I would have to wait up until after midnight if I was to do that. And mom was just too wrung out to do anything about it. So <laughs> I, I grew up in a, a household of the women were in charge. Strong, strong women, always strong role models. I never questioned, uh, you know, that anything but sexual uh, gender was not a thing. Everybody was equal. Everybody had an equal say. Everybody was. And, and yeah. So for me, who's the boss, having her as uh, the you know, the big powerful boss and everything it was totally fine. I accepted it without any problem. I didn't understand why other people wouldn't. But mm -hmm. now looking back at it going, oh, yeah, that was a groundbreaking show. Yeah. I was also jealous of Angela's house, though, because if anybody uh, yes. sees pictures of my house, I tell <laughs> them that our art direction is... Um, Angela Lansbury meets Martha Stewart. <laughs> and so that I, I feel like some of the influences of this show were part of that because you know that that's part of the trivia on this is that because of the set decor de design and uh, all of the different nature and uh, you know pattern elements that were in Angela's house, it became known as the Who's the Boss effect in mm. television. So people design their sets for that cozy feeling because of yes. the way that Who's the Boss was designed and filmed. Because mm -hmm. everybody knows, you know, the, the well-to-do folks, they have their nice homes. And uh, just like the pilot episode, when you want to escape the big city, you go off to the country where mm -hmm. they've got those nice houses and, the you know, the folks commute to their jobs in the city. Have you ever looked at, at, at a new show, started to watch a new show and looked at their set and just went, yeah, this is this is getting canceled. To <laughs> 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 so where you could look at other sets and you're like, you know what? I like it here. I'm going to stay. I'll watch it again. Oh, that's funny. Can you think of some uh, shows that had sets that you said canceled? I oh, can't think my. Of yeah, um, you know what? I was surprised that Lopez versus Lopez lasted a season. Okay, yeah. Just built, just based on their set, but the evolution. If you watch the show, the series, it's like twelve episodes. The evolution of their set got like better and better and better every episode. But yeah, you got your budget. You got to start off with something. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to insert another question here. So if you had to go out on a, a ladies night with either Angela or Mona, who would you probably rather go with? Probably 
probably Mona because we'd probably go to a strip club. <laughs> uh, and that would be fine. But I'd also like to have Angela along just so that I can giggle every time she like covers her eyes and goes, oh, mother. You <laughs> see, the Thanksgiving episode that Matt was talking about earlier, they included Angela. And of course, Angela, being the breadwinner in that household, felt more inclined to hang out with the men. And as Matt was saying, after the meal, the men sat in the living room and unbuttoned their pants. And that was one of those Angela <laughs> moments. Was, oh, no. <laughs> I'm not talking to you, Tony, until you button up your pants. <laughs> but uh, I watched all the Christmas episodes, and uh, they had a lovely one with um, Aunt, uh, Mona's brother and her and and uh, his wife had died. And his wife, in order to get into heaven, had to mend a relationship between Mona and her brother that she messed up. And it was actually... I, I was like, oh, this is a mess. But it was a very sweet episode and very touching. What about you, Toppy? Who would you rather go out to a ladies' night with, Angela or Mona? Oh, I think just in terms of fun. You, that's right. You got to go with, with Mona. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, one of the most popular fan-favorite episodes was a first-season episode where Mona has decided she's going to go back to school. And um, in her study group, her beau is among them. But she's got a dirty little secret. She's got a boyfriend. But little does Angela know. What is the secret, Matt? I didn't see that episode. Oh, oh Angela's beau is a younger man. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and the ter- and the and the hysterical thing about that is uh in a day or two later the young man's parents decide to come over and meet <laughs> Angela. Now, when you get to see that moment, the the wife is actually played by BB Bish who was Carol Marcus in Star Trek 2. Oh wow. And What's hysterical about it is that her husband is an older man. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, there you go. Leave it to DJ to find the Star Trek connection. connection. (laughs) I guess I got a question for Mm -hmm. y'all. It was actually uh, the start of the very last season that the characters, Tony and Angela sort of finally well, they, you know, acknowledge their love for each other. And usually, you know, as as sitcoms and series goes, that's sometimes the death knell of the show. You just, oh, no. And actually, Tona Dance, it turns out, he really vehemently opposed the marriage. He did not like this direction at all. And he said, this contradicts the original purpose of the show. He didn't like it. Does that surprise you? Because, uh, you know, it's. I think they must have known that, okay, we're at season eight. I think they knew they weren't going for a ninth season. And I think they, the writers rightly said, so we got to tie this up. So I'm, I'm glad they did it. You know, at least they didn't follow the trope of most sitcoms in that era. They didn't introduce a baby. Oh, yeah, yes. that's, that's the other. <laughs> yeah. 
will kill oh. a show. Um, or uh, in every every um, long running TV series, there's some kid like that. I can't remember. <laughs> How did you know? How did you yeah. know? That's that's what I was gonna say. Oliver in in the uh, 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 bunch. Brady bunch. Jesus, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Every time cousin Oliver shows up, no, we're canceled. Well, and then in later years, um, you know, if you want some pop culture, they cooked up a a, 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 a sibling that was in the background for the Nick at Night or TV Land reunion of the show, and they called her Phoebe. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I thought you were going to say they cooked up like one of the characters in Adam. Oh, no, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, what Matt was talking about um, Danny Pintaro growing up on the show and he was like 15 or older by the time the show would run its course. Um, they did actually try to replace his character in the last season or two, but the um, the character that they brought on ended up not being as popular, and they just wrote him out. <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> I don't so, know why they even try. Exactly. But I like yeah. to think, and now, of course, there are plenty of rumors out on the Internet, and some confirmations from folks like Tony Dienz and Alyssa Milano that they're going to do a continuation or a, a reboot of the show. And it and, and basically just Alyssa Milano and Tony Danza have acknowledged bar, part of being that part of that uh, production. But I'd like to think that if they were to make a story like who's the boss over again, I would mm-hmm. think they would make some different choices. Like Samantha might be a bad girl in the new version. Mm-hmm. She hangs out with the wrong crowd. Well, for 1984, she was a bad girl. Yeah. She had black eyes and stuff, you know. <laughs> and, you know, Danny's character, he was just artistic. Right. Well, there was that one episode that he ha- they had him try to get involved in sports and he was a gymnast. and i'm just thinking to myself this is a little inappropriate tony Mm -hmm. danza is holding him up on those rings and okay (laughs) well did you ever notice tony danza they always had him in pants that showed off his butt (laughs) i mean just what rewatch a couple episodes every time he's on and he turns around you're like oh but You, you know, Mona did say to Angela in the pilot episode, uh, call <laughs> me over when he's lifting furniture. Uh-huh. <laughs> but he needed to shave his butt because, you know, that was a little hairy there. First episode, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. It's like, oh, a carpet. Hmm. I don't know. I think Angela was going through the lint trap after that cycle. (laughs) (laughs) So we are winding down here and uh, we are nearing the the lobby here. So we're going to talk about uh, other things that you might enjoy if shows like Who's the Boss are right up your alley. And we call this our snack tray. So... I'll go first. Now, this isn't really very much of a stretch because this actress actually got uh, her start on Who's the Boss. She appeared as a um, mm-hmm. interior designer in a moment of an episode. Fran Drescher, 
who, of course, in more recent years is the president of the Screeners, Screen Actors Guild. Yeah, we've I, heard a lot about her recently. Yes. And um, I'm going to recommend the 90s spin on this story of the domestic who falls for her employer. The nanny, fresh out of her job as a bridal consultant in her boyfriend's shop, first appears on the doorstep of the Broadway producer Maxwell Sheffield peddling cosmetics and quickly stumbled upon the opportunity to become the nanny for his three. The nanny. Okay. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she, you, you know, there was actually, um, uh, they tried to do a spinoff for two episodes with her and uh, several others being a model. Hmm. Yeah. Just a little trivia then. All right. Well, I'm going to recommend eight is enough. Um, uh, just uh, in terms of the story of a family. And uh, although they didn't have any domestic help, <laughs> it uh, was uh, we, we got to see the kids grow up a little. Uh, although I have to say on eight is enough, those children, those children were adults. They were never children. And they're I, not nice children either. <laughs> well, they had to have conflict. Anyways, it's the sometimes comic, sometimes dramatic exploits of the Branford family. Uh, Father Tom, he's a columnist for a Sacramento. Hey, Sacramento, uh-huh. California newspaper. Mother Joan, the original mother, and their eight children, Mary David Tony, Nancy, Elizabeth, Susan, they're all freaking adults. Mm-hmm. Maybe Tommy is a teenager. <laughs> then I guess Nicholas, you know, didn't have a kidney problem. I guess he really was a little kid. I don't. Uh, anyways, that he after, died recently. Yes, yeah. he did. Yes. Uh, he didn't have a great life, I'm sorry to say. Yeah. Uh, after Joan's death, Tom meets teacher Abby. And uh, she sings about cats and memories and stuff. Uh, anyways, uh, so that's just uh, it's 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 a, it's a family show, and that's what I'd recommend if you liked um, our show tonight, Matt. Well, you know, uh, one thing about it is enough is that they uh, they spend their days like bright and shiny new times. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so uh, I would like to recommend a show that came out about the same time uh, and also pushed the norms of uh, what were what uh, traditional roles were supposed to look like. It's Kate and Alley. Mm-hmm. It is an American sitcom that aired on CBS starting from March 19th, 1984 to May 1989. So, starring Susan St. James, James Curtin as two divorced mothers who decide to live together in the same home and raise their three children. Well, two for one and one for the other. And uh, it was another show that just said, you know what, this is more real. And just right all over, everybody. Yeah, it was another show. Uh, we did it uh, here on our, mm-hmm. our show. We, we covered this um quite a while ago mm-hmm. but it was another show that had incredibly smart writers yes and also took place in connecticut in parts 
True. Yeah. And another show where somebody had to actually give up their help because they were divorced and couldn't afford it anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It all ties in. You know, bringing it back to eight is enough, Toppy. It reminds mm. me. I saw a meme on the internet a little while ago. And, you know, people these days are so fond of advertising what's going on in their house. They'll have the stick figure family on the back of their car with the mom and the dad and the kids. And ah! the cats. No, I swear I have seen this meme with the eight is enough family. And somebody <laughs> writes in the dirt of the car. Oh, my God. Get off her. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I've seen that too. Yeah. Oh, you know, I just saw the most hilarious um, bumper sticker in real life, and it said, "Nobody gives a shit about your stupid stick-figured family." <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the one with the T-Rex that says, "Your stick-figure family is delicious." God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we better uh, wrap this up, DJ. Yeah, so um, you know, we are getting close to the door because um Gertie's Uber is coming and uh well Emmy Lou, she's uh she's gotta go find out where she parked. But uh if you would, Matt, let us know where the folks uh, out there in listening land can find you if they want to hear your dulcet tones and maybe take a peek at something you've written. Uh, I am at my desk at home. Uh, oh, uh, you can find me over at justkissedtheguy.com for my books and my writing. And you can always look up my two podcasts, Chubb's Gone Wild and The Big Gay Sex Show, The Daddy Years. And, um, you know, if you're um, interested in supporting the arts, there's this little thing called Patreon. And uh, every once in a while, you get a peek into the life of Mr. Matt. I, I also want to thank Matt personally because he's sort of our standby when things are shaky. Uh, usually it's me that's shaky. And sometimes we uh, we corner Matt and say, please <laughs> come and be on our show because he's having a moment. <laughs> and so I want to thank you, Matt, for just always being available like that. It is always a pleasure to be with you, too. Aww. And, you know, um, there, there's a little bit of mystery behind this place that we get together at. It was a venue of many splendored things. There was some vaudeville acts and some magic acts. Now, Matt, I want to <laughs> prove a point. There's this dirty rumor going out there that, that our selection of the next show is rigged. I say nay. Will you do us the honor, sir? Will you put that magic coin in the slot and read us what's coming up next Alrighty, grabbing the bag and we're gonna put that coin in alright copy you and Matt that capsule but here's the capsule Matt oh now do I bite down or do I just swallow <laughs> was, it right. the red, blue, was it the red one or the blue one? <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'll take the money, please, Alex. Uh, so, apparently, this says that on Friday, December 20th, 9 p.m. Eastern, a mid-80s drama, it is an effort to change the plot the plight of the homeless women living on the streets. Young social worker Harry Lang attempts to befriend a homeless woman named 
Floribel. So begins Carrie's education and survival on the streets of Manhattan. A film with a message of humbleness and humility, starring the legendary Lucille Ball. A discussion in returning guest cosplay and drag artist, Demanda Martini. Oh. Although, what's the name of the movie? I didn't. It, it's uh, not on the ticket. I know. The Stone Pillow. It's, <gasps> oh! This is one of Lucille Ball's last uh, roles on film. I actually um, looked forward to this when it first aired. And, um, and and got to see it way back then. It was a television movie. Mm. And yeah, a very, uh, it was a dramatic role uh, for Lucille Ball. And uh, a word of warning to folks, many other shows have uh, attempted to imitate what we're going to uh, carry out. This is a serious discussion. This is a time of the year where we are to be thankful for what we have and we are to think about those who are without. And despite this being a television movie, it was important enough that Lucille Ball decided to put herself in this role. So, you know, maybe she wasn't the best singer in her version of Auntie Mame. <gasps> rat's ass. This is. I'm going to pretend you didn't say it so we can remain friends. I know. You're just going to go ahead and let your Lucille Ball candle there on the mantle. Uh, but yes, it's going to be a serious discussion with the the lovely Demanda Martini next time on Matinee Minutia, Friday, December 20th. So that just before the Crema holiday. Excellent. Well, let me say thanks to uh, our stalwart uh, friends in the chat room. Uh, we had Tommy Hashbrowns. We had Lamont Cranston. We had Cronhaven. They ever mysterious, and we had the money, who we haven't seen in quite a while. Thanks everyone for being here live and listening to us. It makes a big difference when we do a show like this. All right, so a round of applause for the regulars. And Toppy, if you would say good night to us in the ways of the old days of radio. Good night, Gracie. Thank you for listening to Matinee Minutia. Our show streams live on the first and third Friday of the month. Go to matineeminutia.com, click the YouTube icon for live video, enter Discord or chat. You can find our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Visit our webpage at matineeminutia.com. Tweet us on Twitter at Matinee Minutia. Find our group on Facebook. Have an idea for a show? Or why not let us know how we're doing? Email us at matineeminutia at gmail.com. 